3: So, I went to a warehouse party, which is apparently just a legal rave, and just pretty much people watched and slammed like 10 Vodka Red Bulls, which I found out I love now. Grant for have tushes you could bounce a quarter off of. Hashtag they just don't quit. Hashtag scrumptious.
2: What is up, Rotor Grinder Spam? I am back at home, no longer on the road, hanging out with... Two of the sharpest men, two of my favorite people in the daily fantasy sports industry. Uh, I had a, an interesting weekend this weekend. In addition to working and building rosters on the road, uh, one of my good buddies, Cubs fan three three three, took down first and second place in the Millie Maker. So big shout out to him. Look for an interview with him on the Roto Grinders homepage. I guess by about the time this is live. Um, decent weekend for me. Certainly not. Anything compared to what Cubs fan three 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 put together, but what about you, Bobby? Did you take home one point four million this last weekend?
1: No, congrats to your friend. Um, no, I, I actually again I didn't I didn't play. You didn't love the slate, uh, but I did I did re- really well on FanDuel because uh, I just went one hundred percent Smith Schuster. Uh, again, you know, not not a huge huge day for me, but like a profitable one, so I'll take it. But I didn't do well on DraftKings. I uh, really didn't love, love that slate. I almost probably should have played more on FanDuel because I was pretty locked into that Steelers game, and I had Marvin Jones everywhere too. So,
2: anyway, I'd like to uh, I'd like to give a shout out to you anyway. Uh, two of your coaching proteges finished in the top twenty in the Millionaire Maker, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I don't even have that many students that I've actually actively spent any time with, uh, or whatever you call them, people. But um, and I'm not taking credit for it that, you know. But it's uh, it's nice when that happens, and uh, yeah, it certainly feels feels good. I'm really happy for them, and hopefully they'll uh, continue to keep rolling because they did it with you know minimal lineup injuries. Basically. Yeah,
2: it's it's one of those things. One of the biggest challenges in being in um, in the position we are in, where we do have extra time to research and dispense advice, um, is listening to yourself. Uh, just because. You know what I've found over the years is if if I say something, if someone's a reader say they've been reading my articles since 2014, if I say something they you know people will trust my advice sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, uh, as we saw this last weekend. but I, I to them, I am an authority, and I should be you know I, I put in forty hours, well, sixty hours each week during football season. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time. But to me, I'm still me. So then, you know, you come up with something that nobody else is on and it's like, oh, can I really pull the trigger? And then people listen to you and make a bunch of money. So that's always a challenge, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Uh, totally. You Couldn't say it better.
2: Uh, all right. So we also have our third member, not to be missed, saving the most entertaining for last. Uh, Grant, do you have a rant for us this week?
3: Yes, I guess I'll just tell you what I did this weekend, so... Hey,
2: what did you do with the Uber this weekend? Oh, <laughs> uh, well,
3: that's, that's the end of the night. Um, I went, it, it was Halloween week, and I'm like, I'm going to do something fun. So I went to a warehouse party, which was apparently just a legal rave, um, and just pretty much people watched and slammed, like, ten vodka Red Bulls, which I found out I love now, and then just, it, it's just ridiculous seeing, like, the different kind of people there. There's like 75 year old men just out there dancing. Their tookuses off. Just everyone's in ridiculous costumes. But I found out that if I have 10 Vodka Red Bulls, I absolutely love my life and wake up in the morning, like, just completely energized. If you can fall asleep on 10 Vodka Red Bulls, when you wake up, they'll still be in your system and you will be jacked. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It's fantastic. But Uber ride, yeah, um, I was like five, six miles away on just street roads and I remember him going like way way too darn fast going home I checked the Uber app in the morning he got me home in 10 minutes from 6 miles away and we didn't even hop on the freeway so apparently he was going 80 through street roads and I was just like oh man this is like a carnival ride here don't don't think it was the most safe thing in the world I'm pretty sure I almost died twice but it was a fun ride seen him once imagine. from
2: him and once from the 10 vodka red bulls yeah uh true story coincidentally uh so abby always tries to get me to not drink red bulls because they kill people and uh so somebody died i guess this last week and they said it was from energy drinks so i let her throw away one of my well my last red bull from my 12-hour drive home today so grant i'm sure she'll have a talk with you next time that you are in town so I look forward to that.
3: Really weird. I kind of figured that I would die from something of being incredibly unhealthy. I checked out all my like after how badly I treated my body this weekend, and I checked out all my my heart vitals and stuff. Um, my resting heart rate is now twenty five beats lower than it normally is, and in an entirely healthy <laughs> range. I am no longer in pre hypertension. My O two stats are near perfect, like, and I'm pretty sure my cholesterol got lower. I don't know how, but I have. A uh, heart of a healthy 18-year-old now.
2: You're the only person I know who would check those things, or even know how to check those things. Well,
3: I thought I was going to have a heart attack today. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Apparently, this is what a healthy heart feels like.
2: How about that? Congratulations.
3: Yeah, I don't think that'll last long.
2: Uh, So, uh, shame for anybody who skips the first 10 minutes of our pod, usually, to get to the football stuff. I think we're... Oh, no, we're not ready to get to football yet. We have uh, punishment to dole out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So do I give him options or do I go with the so, one I sent out?
2: So I'd like to, I'd like to actually run through this conversation because, Bobby, I don't think you have been privy to this. Uh, Grant, you haven't filled Bobby in yet, nope. have you? No, I've not. <laughs> so uh, any regular listeners, which I can't imagine somebody's jumping on board midseason, uh, regular listeners know that we do – bold calls each week and loser has to uh, tweet something embarrassing usually of Grant's choosing so Grant texted Bobby and me on Sunday and said the tweet this week and he texted like late late in the day during games games are still going on and Grant said the tweet this week is got my dick stuck in the door frame," hashtag dick in the door frame, hashtag Friday night fun hashtag purple penis uh, Bobby Grant then texted me separately to say, um, I'm not actually going to make Bobby tweet that. I just want to see his response. Oh, that's funny because. So I texted back to pretend that I didn't know who had won, and I said, uh, "Let's see, where is this?" I said, "I'm in." Did I lose? Oh my god! Bobby said. Bobby said, "Who did we have?" Grant said. I don't know, I don't remember our oh, bet. Hashtag drunk. I, and by the way,
1: we were all like within like a half a point of each other on kind of duddy things
2: on <laughs> Yeah, we all picked a high priced dud. I, you know, uh, I, yeah,
1: I had, I had Julio who had ten point four and I think that Mike Evans had like one until like the last like minute of that game, I swear. <laughs> or like last-
2: so yeah, we kept we kept it going for like a good ten minutes and Grant texted me separately to say that he was thoroughly enjoying this. Um, so, Bobby, you can tweet that if you like, or I don't know. You want other options? Uh,
1: no. I, yes, I would like other options. I'm
2: not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good, but uh, Grant, what else do you have? Um,
3: just saw a picture, and J.M. to win, and Grant Nefer have tushes you could bounce a quarter off of. Hashtag they just don't quit. Hashtag scrumptious. Hashtag man meat. How many or, characters is that? Um, exactly the right amount. Yeah, <laughs>
2: like count on count on Grant.
3: Uh, Kesha's new song is life changing. If you haven't listened to it, I highly suggest you watch it. Uh, hashtag She's my girl because I found out Bobby doesn't like Kesha this weekend.
2: I, I was just about to say. Uh, I was just about to say. I actually heard from someone that it's pretty good, and then I realized that was Grant.
3: <laughs> yeah, and then you have to put the link below it, which I think will be certainly enjoyable. <laughs> Oh my goodness.
2: Is that it? Those are the options? Those well, that's are, I three. I didn't have time
3: fair. to come up with other ones because I was sweating
1: basketball. I mean, we got
2: the dick in the door. I'll do the, I'll,
1: do the sec, I'll do the whatever the Kesha one
2: is.
3: Yeah. that's All right. That's a good, I, I figured you'd bl- listen to that, but now people are going to think you like Kesha, which is not There's a bad thing.
2: People are going to take you seriously on that one. Oh my God, they're going to do <laughs> No one's going to take you seriously if you talk about our, what was it, tusha Tush, tushes, tushes or tukases? Tushes. Tushes. I don't right. like that.
3: That's a weird word. I don't know. You just hate some of the weirdest words. Yeah, You do.
2: Uh, so last week I was on a uh, cross-country road trip with uh, my dad, Papa JM to win. Uh, Something we've wanted to do for years. Not the best timing, trying to fit it in during football season, but um, he thoroughly enjoyed listening to, like, one of three voices on our podcast last week, so uh, uh, that has nothing to do with anything, just hearing all the crazy things that we say made me think of that. What was the one voice? Mine. Oh. Oh. He was not hearing you guys. He was mostly just wondering what crazy things you two were saying on the other end. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah, because he was recording it while he was in the room with them. I got you.
2: Um. So there we go. We're at exactly 10 minutes. So perfect. Everyone who – welcome to the Absolutely Epic Early Week Podcast. Those of you who skip the first 10 minutes each week and try to get to football stuff. I don't know why you would do that because we record this Monday night and the first 10 minutes when we're all laughing and joking is probably the most valuable. But we have eight topics we're going to get to. Uh, guys, I have four that are kind of a little more in-depth and then four that are players that we'll hit quickly at the end that I'll just try to get your guys' thoughts off the top of your head. So uh, we'll start with the four, a little more in-depth ones. And uh, so I had a a weird week this last week and I actually had a profitable weekend, but I built built 48 teams, kind of messing around with things throughout the week as I always do. And um, I had like five teams that would have been profitable and just happened to use one of those five as my main team. Uh, Other than that, I was very heavy on AJ Green and Cam Newton. Um, Which brings me to this first topic. Uh, Cam Newton looked awful. So, you know, people want to shoot tweets at me for something like that and pretend like I made some horrible call. Like the Buccaneers defense is really good and we should have seen this coming. Uh, Realistically, the Buccaneers defense is still bad. Cam was just awful. So, Bobby, you brought up earlier in the year, you know, that people were ready to jump off of Cam way too quickly. Um, We saw it with Carlos Hyde the week after he got benched. He was uh, under 2% owned. Um, Cam is playing Atlanta. He just bombed in literally the best quarterback matchup you can have. So from a tournament perspective, Bobby, um, what level of interest do you have in the idea of taking Cam, who's a guy who can get you 30 to 35 points, he's going to be super low owned. Uh, Or on the other hand, you know, we worry a little bit less about ownership at quarterback and he's looked bad. So uh, Monday night, early week, what are your thoughts on Cam against Atlanta? Stay away because he's been that bad lately or target him because he has that much upside?
1: Interesting. um, He he looked terrible. I watched that game, but I think that as bad as he looked, as bad as everything was, they were playing with a lead or a a two-score lead most of the game. We're basically controlling the game. With their defense they weren't taking a ton of real shots and again he didn't look good but i'm not going to say like if the score if they weren't down like three scores that he might have had like a big fantasy performance he's as his bad games are still like have a a reasonable floor and at 6300 the upside is there against atlanta especially in a spot where you could be down multiple scores at some point and be forced to you know throw the ball 40 plus times uh, I think that he's totally in play. There's just other quarterbacks that I feel so sure about that I probably am not going to risk it with him too much, but I do think that he's definitely in play as a as a tournament flyer. And Those Atlanta and Carolina games have been up and down in the past. There's been some really low-scoring ones and some really high-scoring ones, and this is an interesting game to target, uh, especially the, the low ownership part of it.
2: Yeah, and another thing too is it kind of went overlooked because the line in that game uh, went up by two and a half points by Sunday. Um, But there were 20-mile-an-hour winds in that game and typically when you talk to people who study these things, they say rain matters a lot less than wind. And everybody kind of freaked out about the the rain in the northeast, Um, but the wind in those games was 10 to 15 miles an hour. We were looking at um, like 15 to 25 miles an hour sustained in Tampa with gusts higher than that. I think that was a factor too. Um, I would have gotten off that game more if, you know, you guys know me. I don't rely on Vegas that heavily, but the the line was still moving up on Sunday morning, and so it was like, okay, no one in Vegas is concerned. So why would I move off Cam? I, I think that was a factor too. Um, Grant, what are your thoughts on Cam against Atlanta? Do you have any hot takes for us? So, he
3: still isn't that great of a quarterback, but he's wildly inconsistent. He has certain games where he seems to be just completely on and certain games where he seems to be completely off. It's been off, obviously, for the last, what, three weeks in a row, but before that he was putting up like three, four touchdown games. And one of the biggest problems he's had this season is he has 11 interceptions on the season, and a lot of those – Against the Bears, two of the pick sixes came near their red zone, um, so that could have drastically just changed it by not having those two things happen. Um, so this is actually a decent spot for him because it's a game where they it's projected to be close. They have a 23 implied team total. Atlanta is really bad at giving up targets and giving up yards to the opposing running back, and that's really good for Christian McCaffrey, obviously. He has the weapons around him, and he has multiple different ones. And the biggest thing is Atlanta only has four turnovers or four takeaways on the season. So they only have two interceptions. This is a spot where I don't think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. Hopefully this is a spot where he could put up a very big game. And if you're going to get him at low ownership after a week where, yeah, he wasn't some bad weather, then I think it's actually a decent idea this week. And I, even though I do not like him as a quarterback, this is a good week to have him in fantasy.
2: Yeah. You bring up really good points. Uh, for one, Cam's never been a great quarterback as far as accuracy, consistency. But the upside is there with his legs and with his deep passing. Another thing the you bring up is the turnovers. Say What's that? For a great quarterback, I mean,
1: he was the MVP two years
3: ago. Like you. We're talking about passing. <laughs> like he's never been that accurate. Okay, well, you
1: can be a great quarterback in very different ways in modern day football. And- well, yeah, yeah that,
2: we're
3: just talking fair. about accuracy. By the uh, way, this is his most accurate year. In terms of completion percentage,
2: uh, which is incredible, um,
3: it's all because of McCaffrey. Uh,
2: but yeah, and is- I. Anyway. So yeah, if you can finish, if he can finish off those drives, that obviously makes a difference in his box scores. I thought I had it figured out last week. Um, I mean, i was I was working so hard to, you know, salary was really tight last week. I was working so hard to find a way to move from Andy Dalton up to Cam in cash games, and I wasn't able to make it in a way that I felt. Gave me a better team in other spots which is what saved my weekend but um you know i thought i had it figured out last week because the sacks have been an an issue you know the panthers offensive line is really bad he had struggled the week before against the bears who ranked seventh in adjusted sack rate and was playing tampa who ranked 32nd so i thought okay no pressure on him um from the defense and that'll help him out that was obviously not enough for him um You know, Grant, you bring up a good point with the the turnovers, and that's not something that Atlanta has been strong with this year. So maybe that's the key, or maybe it's just there. It's unpredictable in general, and we avoid them in cash. But I do think that um, you know it's tough to get. We we talk sometimes about okay, don't worry too much about ownership at quarterback, or a lot of people say that, but that's really because you know typically the bad games are going to get you 18 or 19 points, the good games will get you 24, 25. Uh, maybe 27, but you know Cam can genuinely put up 30 to 36, 37 points in any given week. So I do think it's a good week to target him. Like Bobby said, it's a potential shootout. Uh, I'll definitely be looking there in tournaments, probably not high-dollar tournaments, but I will try to get him on some teams.
3: Um, we should also probably mention that he, in his last three games, is averaging over 10 rushing attempts per game, and he's never, yes, they he have, never averaged more than 10 per game his entire career.
2: They've, like, early in the year, and I mean, that was why they drafted McCaffrey, uh they, you know, let Ted Ginn go, was, it was, okay, we're going to protect Cam, we're not going to run him in the red zone as much, we're going to use this short passing game, and they kind of scrapped that after the early struggles, and just said, okay, let him throw deep, let him uh, take off, losing Ginn has hurt them more than, obviously, the Panthers thought it would, because the deep ball isn't there, like Cam wants it to be, but... Uh, the, run, the rushing is still there. We've seen this year in, in three different games, the upside is there. So be aware of the floor, but definitely be aware of the upside as well. Uh, a team that people have fewer questions on, naturally, is the Texans' offense. Uh, Deshaun Watson's price has gone all the way up to 8100 DeAndre Hopkins is 9200 To put that in perspective, Julio Jones is the second highest price wide receiver, 1400 cheaper than Hopkins. So that seems outlandish except that Indianapolis is literally uh, one of the three best wide receiver matchups, one of the three best quarterback matchups. So I'm kind of interested to see how this plays out this week, pay attention to ownership and whatnot, because A.J. Green was 60% owned in double-ups. He was, what, over 30% in tournaments against Indy and just put up a complete dud. Uh, Grant, do you think people will be scared off of – Hopkins and Watson? I mean, I don't think they will. But And then the second question is, do you find a way to play these guys, or is the price just too high?
3: I think the price is too high, and considering what the ownership's going to be, you want to be way under the field. So I have a little insight to this. This little app called Draft I I kind of mess around with a little bit beginning on the week, Um, and you don't generally take a quarterback early. People are taking Watson first overall. And they're taking Hopkins second overall. He's just, they're both drafted way, way too soon, so I can almost immediately tell that ownership's going to be very high on them. They have 31 implied points, but I think a good amount of that could actually come from uh, pick six or two. I think that this is going to be a spot where I don't know, even Lamar Miller could do something. I think it's a spot where you fade in tournaments. If you want to have exposure in cash, that's fine, but I don't think it's worth it for the price, and I'll probably be staying away just because this Watkins uh, current out, output cannot stay consistent. I think Will Fuller seven of his thirteen catches on the season are for a touchdown. Pretty sure Watkins ten percent of his throws are for touchdowns on the season, which is way too high of an amount. Uh, all these things are not sustainable, and even though he may be a great quarterback, this is just not something that can keep going.
2: Yeah, I mean it's silly. It. 34 pass attempts against Tennessee, four touchdowns. 31 pass attempts against Kansas City, five touchdowns. 29 against Cleveland, three touchdowns. 30 against Seattle, four touchdowns. That doesn't happen. Uh, We saw with Carson Wentz last week. A lot of people, you know, talked him up as a must play. People kind of got off that because of the weather. But um, it's just you don't – a guy doesn't just throw for 300 yards and three-plus touchdowns every single week uh with that said it's kind of the same thing we faced with Cleveland no uh, a guy doesn't do that but Deshaun Watson um has been doing it and what's to say that a match against Indianapolis is where it's going to end Bobby what are your thoughts
1: yeah um I'm not going to like bet against him but I'm not going to play them at these, these prices I think they are too high I agree with Grant like I <clears throat> I don't think that even with the potential game flow in this one like I actually have more interest in Lamar Miller who will probably be a lower owned part of the, the punch um, but I I don't know I feel like they can control this game with their defense and with the running game and they again it's, there's been spots like that where I thought that would happen before and Watson still went nuts but I just feel like I would rather go elsewhere especially because the ownership which I'm still guessing is gonna be high um, I, and again it's I don't think it's sustainable to have this type of percentage I think I think the world of Watson I' on wasn't bandwagon but i don't think that anybody's this good and this sure thing which he's being treated like um even in what's an obvious good spot for a passing game i don't know that that's necessarily going to be like it's, it's not like the you know all the bad spots for the passing game he's lit it up too it's it doesn't seem to matter all that much and I, I don't know i'm gonna avoid it because the ownership of the price was me
2: uh do you mind if i ask you who are some of these quarterbacks who are standing out to you because you mentioned that earlier
1: Russell Wilson. I'm gonna just play Russell Wilson um, until I can't. I, I, I mean, I'm just always gonna play him. I think that that team can't run the ball, and I I switched all everything over to him this last week, fortunately. Yeah, and if you can look at his pass attempts, they're high, overall they're higher than ever. They, they need more from him, and their defense is not what it used to be. So I feel very very comfortable with him. I don't think I think you're talking between twenty and forty points. Like I don't I just don't see him getting less than that in this matchup. And I think that Drew Brees is another one at uh for only seven thousand. The thing with New Orleans they have all the ways to be you now there's no reason why this, this guy couldn't be the highest scoring quarterback by a mile this week and have one of those old Drew Brees four hundred yard, five touchdown games. It's a good matchup, it's a great game to target. Um, so I really am interested in those two the most. But there's some other guys too that I'm considering and, Watson on his own, and I I even kind of like just because the receivers are so high-priced, and I think you can get
2: that production elsewhere. And you never know, he might run one in. So if I am going to play him, it's probably going to be more like that. Gotcha. Yeah, good point there. Uh, It would almost seem that I sent you the questions beforehand because we're about to get to the Seattle offense and New Orleans offense. I did not send you the question beforehand, so there you go. Uh, I do like what you said about – about maybe playing Watson and not Hopkins. I think that Watson is probably not overpriced. That's not to say that you have to go to him because, as you brought up, Bobby, there are a couple other quarterbacks who are in great spots as well and are cheaper. And, as Grant pointed out, the uh, there's you know a low likelihood that this game is a shootout. More than likely, Houston just takes and holds a big lead. With that, um, 9,200 for a wide receiver – deandre hopkins it's just there's too many things that can go wrong at 9200 for a wide receiver we're not talking a running back who's guaranteed six plus targets and 20 carries we're talking a guy who needs targets and needs to hit has to score multiple touchdowns really to pay off that price so i'm fine avoiding hopkins i'll still have interest in watson if there's enough value this week but um like i'll be surprised if he fails but again there are other good spots as well um so New Orleans, Bobby, I'll go back to you on this. Um, I'm kind of wondering if New Orleans is going to be one of the most overlooked spots on the week. I think that just because Breeze hasn't really done much, obviously everyone's been on Ingram. Um, so I guess I shouldn't say New Orleans as a whole as one of the most overlooked spots, but New Orleans passing offense. I could see people being so heavy on Kamara and Ingram because of what, have they, what they've what they done lately because of um, – how much less the saints have been passing than normal lately just people might move away from the saints so obviously bobby you have interest in breeze already um what do you think about early on you think that maybe his ownership will be a little bit lower and does that increase your interest even more that's
1: the part of it and it's funny because you want to look at the matchups where he maybe hasn't uh you know put out like okay so you have a what I think is a really good Chicago defense that in a game that they were controlling for, again, for by two scores for the most part, and they were doing a good job on the ground. You had a Green Bay offense in a game that was really, the wind was really affecting Brees early on. He actually played a nice game, just didn't have the touchdowns there. The game against Detroit, which was the craziest ever, where the defense gets multiple touchdowns and forces, what, five, six turnovers, I don't remember how many it was. Um, that they, and then also on top of it, the big, there were two big plays by Ingram and uh And the other running back at Kamara, so I I think that it's more just like circumstantial. If there's a spot where they need to throw the ball, or it's still going to be their go-to. I think if if he throws the ball like 40 times in a game like this, you might just see him go completely nuts. And I feel like he could just he can be far and away the best quarterback. And I don't think that in this spot he often gets less than 20, even though there's been some games like that lately. This is very different, especially being at home against that. Obviously, we know how shaky Tampa Bay can be.
2: Yeah, add in the fact that that cam disappointed not that ownership really took off on cam but still the panthers panthers passing attack disappointed against tampa and then again breeze has just not had the touchdowns lately i could i could see this just kind of being a spot that people completely miss um depending on how much it gets talked up this week uh obviously that can affect ownership bobby or grant what are your thoughts on on new orleans in this spot
3: yeah if you look at their last four games it's or the last three games it's pretty apparent why they didn't throw that much detroit they obviously had a huge lead Green Bay, they were without Rodgers. They had to lead the game during the game. Chicago, it's kind of the same thing. And Breeze still ended up having 300 yards in the last two games. Problem is, over the last three games, he's had four interceptions, which are all the ones he's had for the season. Um, I think this is a spot where you can absolutely go. Obviously, Tampa Bay's a terrible defense. It's in the Superdome. It's going to be a high, really high-scoring game. I think just because, I mean, depending on Winston's health, he's probably going to throw for 300 yards too. This is by far my favorite spot for a quarterback this entire week. I think he'll outscore Watson. And I don't like one of the big things too is he's never really had this many weapons like at the running back position that can actually catch the ball at backfield. I mean maybe we had Reggie Bush, but this is just a beautiful, beautiful spot for him that he's not gonna be heavily owned and more people are gonna be on Watson. i think I'd take Breeze over him in cash.
2: Do you have any special insight with your close personal relationship with Breeze?
3: Man, that guy can hit the ball 300 yards. So I'm assuming that he can pass for more than that in this game. <laughs> uh,
2: for anyone who's not aware, Grant had a fantasy draft event where he got to go play golf with Drew Breeze uh, a couple months ago. And he also sent so... a
3: ball that said Grant had no friends. <laughs>
2: Drew Breeze is a liar. Now we know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things that line up well here. Uh, Grant, bringing up those running backs. I mean, it's basically 10 passes a game going to running backs. Which, when you talk about DFS, that is just you know a huge help because you look at what Ezekiel Elliott did against the 49ers two weeks ago. Which is, uh, all of a sudden, there's 72 passing yards for Dak Prescott and a passing touchdown. Um, these running backs who are often – I mean both Kamara and Ingram, sure they're good between the tackles, but they're like most effective in open space. I and mean, when you can get them on a screen pass or even a little dump off in the middle of the field. that If they can take that to the house, which can absolutely happen with these two guys, that's just an extra yardage floor for Breeze, extra touchdowns for Breeze. Definitely a spot that I like a lot. The one drawback for me is that New Orleans defense has gotten pretty good And so I don't expect this game to be a shootout so much as I expect Breeze and the Saints to play well. But that's the same exact thing we're dealing with with Watson for a lot more in salary. So I think that that makes it totally worth it to go um, to Breeze. So the last kind of in-depth one I want to touch on is asking – and I guess, Bobby, you've already given us your answer, but um, asking if Seattle is – potentially going to go over-owned. So I'm going, to go, I'm going to go ahead and give two thoughts on this. I know I'm not going to sway you, and I, I don't have my mind made up, but there's just two ways to look at it, and it's interesting to present both sides. One way to look at it is, Bobby, exactly what you said, Seattle cannot run the ball. Obviously, Washington does not have a great pass defense. They're really good against wide receivers, but they get torched by tight ends. They get torched over the middle of the field. Um, and so if the Seahawks are just going to pass and pass, then you expect Russ to put up points. The other way to look at it that I think is interesting and, and at least worth considering is that Seattle is a very reactive offense. We see that when Russ puts up these huge games, it's when he drops back and just launches 60-yard bombs in a back-and-forth game. Um, and if, basically you have to expect Washington to put up points, I think, in order to expect Seattle to – have a big game. Which last week I didn't like the Seattle Houston game, but I did say in my article and on my show on Friday night, if you're going to target this game, target Houston as well, because you're saying if you're saying you think Seattle's going to have a good game, you're basically saying you think Houston's going to have a good game also. Um, so Bobby, does that concern you at all? Just the fact that Seattle isn't like inherently an aggressive offense; inherently they're a pretty reactive offense. Or are you just fine going to Russ anyway because they literally cannot run the ball?
1: It's because they literally cannot run the ball. And it, ordinarily, I'm all about the game script, and that's what I would be thinking. But look at the game they had against the Giants when he put up 29 fantasy points and they won 24 to 7. It wasn't, you know, wasn't a situation where it was a back and forth shootout. He's the amount of times he's throwing the ball these days. Uh, even that game against the Rams, like it was a weird one because the way they, they sort of were able to control it with their defense, and the Rams were not, weren't were really able to threaten. But I, I don't know. I feel like when the opportunities are there to open it up. He can really I mean his upside is as high as anyone so I'm always going to be interested in him in a spot like this and I think against Washington it could be there I think Washington can put a point I think Seattle's defense is not I still think it's one of the better defenses in football but I just don't think that it's the same elite defense that we used to see and we know that Washington you know has a, at least a capable offense and I think it's going to be a competitive game I think it's a good spot for him I don't know I just don't know what else they're going to do even if they're up like can't run the ball like they're going to have to throw it, even if it's a little quick plays and one of those maybe breaks late. I mean, I'm just saying there's not a whole lot of options that they have other than throwing the ball in
2: their offense. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I um two weeks ago that game against the Giants, I had Russ on my my main team, which was in cash games, double ups, head to heads. Um, I had about 15k on that team with Russ, and um I didn't want to go there. He was like three percent owned a couple weeks ago on that day, but I couldn't quite get the salary to get up to Dak and I remember at halftime just thinking, What on earth was I doing using Russ in a game where I didn't expect the Giants to score a ton of points because Russ had like had done nothing at halftime. And then it's like they or you know, until two minutes left in the first half, and they kind of do do this every week. It's like right toward the end of the first half they realize, oh, we can't do anything except when Russell Wilson's doing it, and then they unleash him. Um, Luckily for me, two weeks ago, they kept it going the whole second half. Um, As far as the Seattle defense, you know, one thing to say about that is they are most attackable over the middle. We saw Washington lean heavily on Jamison Crowder this last week, so that helps as well. Um, Vernon Davis is just as capable – well, not just as capable of a tight end as Jordan Reed, but still an extremely capable tight end. Again, another spot where Washington can attack. So they definitely line up well against Seattle for putting up points Grant, this is your team, Seattle. What are your thoughts on Russ Wilson? You, hey, credit to you as well. You said several times the first few weeks of the year don't, Russ, don't roster Russ early in the season. Once we get to weeks five, six, seven, start looking to him because they'll kind of figure out how to play with their poor offensive line. Uh, do you think that you'll go to Russ even at, at I, high I ownership mean, or are there other places is, that I think, you're likely to look?
3: What, 200 cheaper? I can't remember. Uh, I think so. Yeah, Drew Brees is three hundred cheaper. Uh I don't know if I'll have that much exposure to Rush Russ, but yeah. I definitely will. And have a little bit at least. Um, this is yeah, this is the same thing every single year. Russ goes on a tear where four or five games in a row. will they'll be the highest scoring offense in the entire NFL. Last year was a little different because Russ was hampered by injuries for like the first, I don't know, eight weeks of the season off and on. He had that knee thing and then I think he had that ankle thing. So it was just kind of a whole different situation for him this last year. This year, the offensive line always figures it out. I think it might have had something to do with Doug Baldwin yelling at that, that D-bag Tom Cable. Um, but this is just the same thing every single year. We know it's going to happen around week 7, 8, or 9 every single year. It's done it since his set first year in the league, second year in the league. So I think there's a situation where you can definitely go for Seattle, especially going against a team where cousins can put up a ton of passing yards right along there with him I think there's a spot where you can game stack it's just kind of figuring out who's going to go where I think in this spot it's going to be Jimmy Graham is probably going to be the uh, top guy to go for just because Wilson could go to Baldwin to lock it to uh, Richardson um, and from the wide receivers but Washington gives up I think just a significant amount of targets to the tight end I think they're ranked 28th in DVOA against the tight end
2: Yeah, and and I believe going into last weekend they ranked uh, third fewest targets allowed to wide receivers and fewest catches allowed to wide receivers. Uh, One thing to say there, obviously, Russ is willing to – and that's the thing. If if they get to that point where they unleash the ball, he will just throw those – anytime you get one-on-one coverage deep, he will just launch it up and let these guys catch it. And Richardson is a phenomenal contested catch guy. As is Doug Baldwin, uh, which gives him two deep threats that they are willing to use in that way and that are great in that way. And then there's Jimmy Graham. Lock,
3: it's a huge speedster.
2: And then, yeah, and then there's Jimmy Graham that if he's, you know, if no one's within five yards of him, he can catch it too. So that always helps. Um, and, yeah, again, this year, you know, he had games against Tennessee and Indianapolis early on, teams that cannot rush the passer where he went off and then kind of waited until week seven against – it was the first time against a, a above-average defense that he did work and then again against Houston. So I like it. There's a lot to like at quarterback. There's – you know, we've talked about Russ. We've talked about Breeze. Uh, we've talked about Cam obviously is kind of a thinner play compared to those guys. And then you also have Alex Smith and Dak Prescott I think are really good plays in the game that they will be in. And again, I I encourage people, if you roster Seattle offensive players to consider coming back the other side with Washington, which means uh, Cousins could have a good game as well. Um, That leads us to these four guys I want to touch on kind of more quickly. uh, The first of whom it's notable that we skipped right over Matt Ryan in talking about quarterbacks. So Julio, is 7,800, he's almost certainly going to go overlooked because, I mean, you know, he's always going to get 10% ownership or so, but we're not going to see, think about week one, if he'd been 7,800, you know, you'd be looking at enormous ownership. He posted some huge games uh, or has posted some huge games against Carolina. Uh, Bobby, any interest in julio jones this week in tournaments as a guy obviously has explosive upside and will likely be underowned for his upside what are your thoughts there uh,
1: i'm gonna be all over julio this week uh last week i had to change all my early, this is the problem with all the early things i said say in the week like they had, dealing with the win they had and in, in, in new york during that game like it obviously affected them and their whole you know what their game plan would have been in that sort of a matchup I think this is a great spot to come right back to him. Like you said, he's had some big games against the Panthers in the, in the past. I'm going to be playing tournaments. I'm playing for upside, and if the ownership doesn't go there, I'm going to be absolutely all over this play. I feel comfortable with it, and like I, if I was playing cash, because I just I think he's going to get double digit targets. I think he's going to go off. I think you're going to see a completely different Julio the rest of the year, and even still, like with all the things that yeah, maybe it was you know a lot of garbage time stuff against New England and all that. Um there's still the game flow of how these things have played out makes me understand better why he didn't go more off than he did. That and I also think they were trying to overutilize, like get too cute with how many weapons they had in their offense. I think you're gonna see you're gonna see a monster game from him on Sunday and you'll see I mean a huge second half from him the rest of the week here.
2: Yeah, and then you know, we have New Hopkins who we all kind of feel is a little overpriced. And then Mike Evans is going against those stud perimeter corners in new Orleans. AJ green is taking on the the worst possible matchup in Jacksonville. Will Fuller is overpriced for the number of targets he sees. I mean, there's just, uh, there are a lot of guys who you can make a case that Julio is a much better play than at the high end of the price range. Grant, what are your thoughts on Julio this week?
3: I, I mean, I'm just getting sick of playing Julio, just plain and simple. Um, He's a guy that obviously has the talent to go off for a 300-yard game at any given time, but if you just look at his numbers, like it's just so often that he just far, far does not exceed value. I and mean, maybe it's because I like to play smaller field GPPs in cash more. Um, but I mean, there's always the argument to play him at low ownership and big field GPPs. But I still have a feeling that at 7,800, he's going to draw some ownership in this matchup, enough for me not really to want to go on him and. I mean, yeah. If you just look at the other guys in that range, there's AJ Green, Evans, and Hopkins at way more price. Like I think ownership is going to fall on him in this matchup, so I'm I'm probably just going to stay away from him entirely.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think like I said, I think we still see ten to twelve percent because he is Julio. I, I you know it's kind of what what. What I brought up a couple weeks ago with Amari Cooper, the talent didn't disappear. Now in that instance, that was a little scarier to go to him because Amari you know, the talent,
3: level talent
2: the talent didn't disappear, but he was dropping so many passes. But you're like, okay, he can still go off. Julio, he still looks like Julio. The targets are just not there, and you're like, okay, if they give this guy 12 targets, he's going. It's a guarantee. He's going to post a monster game. Um, that's the thing that scares me. I'll definitely have interest in tournaments because it's hard to have, it's hard to find that much upside at 10 to 12% ownership. Even, um, I understand the concerns. He may or may not be on my main team, but he's definitely a guy I'll be kind of eyeing closely this week and we'll have mixed into my lower dollar teams at the very least. Uh, next guy, Joe Mixon kind of disappointed last week. But most value disappointed, so Mixon posted a respectable score for his price compared to what most guys in that price range posted. Um, You know, he's kind of getting 14, 15 touches is all we're really able to rely on. But against the Jaguars, who the Bengals won't be able to pass on, they did pick up Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius has been kind of up and down. Grant, any interest in Joe Mixon this week at 5,100? against uh, a Jags team that has been a run-funnel defense so far this year.
3: I mean, I think you're going to find ownership on him. So, I mean, I'd rather pay for Carlos Hyde at $100 more, uh, who got nine targets this last week. Mixon, almost his entire value, like, you can look at it two ways. His entire value was pretty much paid off in one reception for 67 yards. Or you can look at he was tackled on the three-yard line, and he just goes three more yards, he pays off value, and then some. So I think that people are still going to be on him, and he draws ownership every single week, a lot of times in cash. I mean, I used him, I think, 100% in cash this week and 85% in tournaments. I think it's not going to change with his price being 5100 People are going to go there, and I think it's a fine fade considering how good Jacksonville's defense actually is.
2: It's It's funny how recency bias works. I think you're right that... Mixon will still draw ownership. If he had gone three more yards and scored a touchdown, then everyone would be talking about him as the must play of the week at his price. Actually, his price would have jumped. Uh, And just the difference between whether or not he got those three yards and added those points to his stat line kind of changes the narrative in a big way. So I think he'll be in line with the, well, not in line with last week's ownership, which was massive because everyone was on all the Bengals skill position players. But you know what he'd been seeing before, which is about twenty to twenty-five percent in cash, and anywhere from ten to twenty percent in turnings. Bobby, what are your thoughts on Mixon this week?
1: Yeah, I'm not going to use him so much this week. I'm still a fan of his overall. Uh, I, I that fumble hurt his usage. He still would have had some more opportunities in that game, I think, had he not fumbled there. And honestly, if he just breaks that one and gets another nine yards to get the 100 card receiving, like. There's a lot of things that could have happened for him to have a big game last week. I'm just not going to go there against Jacksonville here in this spot. There's a couple guys at a little bit higher price that I feel a little bit more comfortable with. And I'm not sure how much they're ready just to turn over and trust him now that they actually have won a few games and everybody's in the playoff race this year. So I think you're going to see a little bit of the other guys playing a few more snaps and uh, you're not gonna get, like, he's not really getting the keys fully like he ever, we kept thinking he was going to
2: know. Yeah. he's still stuck at that 50% snap rate. You have McFadden, assuming this Ezekiel Elliott news sticks for once. You know, McFadden's just a few hundred more. Uh, Adrian Peterson coming off of a bye with the Cardinals stuck with Drew Stanton at quarterback and playing San Francisco. I think that that's a place where he'll get 20 carries. Doug Martin against New Orleans who can catch passes. Uh, Lamar Miller against Indianapolis. Definitely a lot of guys. Uh, to like at running back under 7k christian mccaffrey so you don't have to go there uh i'm kind of i'm still have no idea how i feel about mixing because if he if he actually gets 16 to 18 carries i think he has enormous upside but i think he is more of a tournament play than a cash game play even though he's been being used in cash pretty heavily Uh, Next guy, I don't know if you guys watched tonight's game. Trevor Simeon looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Demaryius Thomas was my top-ranked point-per-dollar wide receiver this week because he's still underpriced for his talent and usage. Kansas City gives up enormous stat lines to wide receivers with their man coverage. Again, Demarius disappointed because Simeon was so bad. So, Grant – Against a Philadelphia team that has faced the fewest rush attempts in the NFL, the most pass attempts in the NFL, uh, has allowed the most receptions to wide receivers or maybe the second most receptions to wide receivers. Uh, Any interest in Demarius or are we just writing off this passing attack as awful?
3: I mean, a little bit of interest. I mean, one of the problems is I believe that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be playing this next week, which I'm not even sure if that actually gives a downgrade to, to Marius Thomas, but I mean, there's so much like, there's so many mouths to feed, and there's such an inept offense. Like, I think I don't know, they're what, a seven point underdog in this? The the over-under hasn't come out yet. But, I, I just don't see Simeon really doing much of anything, and there's a chance that they could go with Osweiler, which isn't really going to help anything, because he's also terrible. Um, I I don't think I'm going here, even at 6K. I mean, you look at the other guys around him. uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's going to be some guy that is relied on heavily because what's-his-name is in the offense. You have Des Bryant going up up against the team that's 31st in DVOA against wide receiver ones. Um, You have Doug Baldwin, who Russell Wilson targeted him 10 times last week. He's going to be passing a lot, and people aren't really going to be on him because of Richardson and Lockett and what they did last week. So I think there's just a, much, a lot better places to go outside of Demaryius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders in this matchup.
2: Bobby, what are your thoughts on this? I'm,
3: I'm almost positive I got a message earlier that Emmanuel
1: Sanders is out this week.
3: Yeah, out this time. week. I think it. Yeah, it was out for tonight. Oh wait, to play next week. That would be what it. So.
1: Yeah, I'm not overly interested in it myself. Uh, I just, this offense is brutal to watch. It's, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if you see, you know, that change in one of these guys have a big game, especially Demarius. But I uh, I actually agree that it might be better for him if, if Sanders is there, possibly. Like, uh, they, they just look so awful. So I'm just going to pick another spot this weekend.
2: Uh, here's one for you guys, and this is not one of the questions i had prepped but uh i just spotted this let's run through sammy watkins matchups indianapolis week one tremendous matchup uh washington week two one of the worst matchups for wide receivers san francisco week three he put up 31 points dallas week four bobby you remember that uh dallas is great against perimeter receivers then seattle legion of boom then jacksonville then patrick peterson Uh, This week he's playing the Giants, who have been pretty poor against wide receivers to date. That's an interesting uh, little bit of value. Um, So I am going to take any thoughts you guys have on that, and then also we'll close off this segment with our favorite thing to talk about, which is Todd Gurley in that same game. Uh, So, Grant, you get to go first on the Todd Gurley takes and throw in any any thoughts you have on Sammy Watkins as well. Todd Gurley against the Giants. What are your thoughts on him this week? Uh,
3: Well... I believe the Giants are 30th in DVOA against wide receiver twos Um, and I have a feeling they might treat Robert Woods or Cooper Cup as wide receiver one this so I think it could be a good matchup for Watkins he can obviously do a lot I'd have to look into and try and remember how they are against the deep ball because that could have a lot to do with it he's not going to be heavily owned because no one has a desire to play him ever it seems anymore except for me which always ends up poorly Um, so yeah I think that He's in an all right matchup. And then Gurley, um, what is his price this week? I believe 8100 Um, So, I mean, really looking at the guys around him, I'd rather go with Ingram uh, right below him. Uh, Freeman, if he, I, I'd rather just pay down a little bit, although I guess there's not really a whole lot of places to pay up for this entire weekend, so I think he might be one of the top backs. I mean, you know that the workload's going to be consistent. It's projected to be a close game, which Gurley, regardless of if they're up, down, or anything in between, uh, they're probably going to be passing the ball off to him quite a bit. Have a look at Giants' pace of play. I mean, do you remember that off the top of your head since they've...
2: Uh, Yeah, Giants are, I believe, top five in pace of play. I can actually check that right now. In
3: terms of how fast they play or how slow they play?
2: No, no, how fast they play. All right. Uh, although they have been slowing it down, so they're sixth in pace of play. Uh, they've been slowing it down a little bit since they've been uh, you know, playing so poorly, but it's it's kind of like Ben McAdoo has not made this sh- shift in his head that they have a bad offense and should just slow things down.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, you got to look at this and you've got to know that uh, the Giants' Eli hasn't passed for, what, over 180 yards the last two games. They're relying more on the running game. Their pace is obviously going down since they're not throwing all those quick, easy passes constantly to their three good wide receivers because they're all down. But I think Gurley, he's just an alright play. I think I'd rather go with Ingram. It's just the way that very preliminary lineups are uh, playing out for me, there's not enough to pay up for this week. So Gurley may be the guy I have to go with when you look at Leonard Fournette, Zeke, like... I obviously Zeke's probably not gonna play. Kareem Hunt I guess gets one of the best matchups, but still he's not a guy that I like to rely on in cash. And then it just drops all the way down to sixty six hundred with Freeman. So I I guess that Gurley might be a guy I have to pay up for just because of the lack of other options.
2: Bobby, what are your thoughts on uh rostering the best running back in football this week? <laughs>
3: By the way, Trent Richardson's um, I, killing it. Trent Richardson is
2: killing in the CFL.
3: <laughs> I would like to just say, for the
1: record, that I I think Gurley is the, a better play than the other higher price plays this week, but I don't like any of them particularly. Uh, which actually does like change. I'm you know doing some lineup building while we're talking here, and I'm just looking at it. It really is an interesting kind of build this week because. I don't feel great about all those spots for any of these guys. And if you are going to pay up, I, I prefer Gurley over Ingram. Um, I still say Ingram is a split carry back. It's getting priced so high because of a lot of these touchdowns and a couple of big plays. And while I think he's fine, while he's a little cheaper, uh, I'm not going to pay up this high for him. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I find myself more in that six, 6K-ish range uh, for my running backs this week. So, I'm probably not going up there, but if I did,
2: it'd probably be early. Yeah, it's a good point. You don't have to pay up if if there are a lot of. Typically, these days, there's not a lot of value on DraftKings, and so if you, if there's a lot of guys like in the mid range, which there definitely aren't running back this week, uh, then you know you can get 20 points from all these five and six k guys if everything shakes out right. I think that's a viable way to go, as well. So we have extended our time tonight as we tend to do so we'll run through love at first sight fairly quickly um grant what is the game that's standing out to you the most at the front end of the week
3: do I tell a story too
2: yeah if you'd like to
3: I'll make it real quick at this warehouse party I went to just saw all (laughs) sorts of all sorts of girls there just drunk and maybe on drugs I don't know but they were just just going crazy I saw, like, ten of them at brunch the next day drinking mimosas, which I was also (laughs) doing, but watching football. Um, I think I love all of them. Anyone who can party until, like, two in the morning on who knows what and then go out and get brunch the next morning at, like, ten. It's just just a crazy thing. Um, Not able to find any bridge into my favorite game of the week. Naturally. Uh, Des Bryant... I'm just talking about the Dallas game just because Des Bryant's my favorite play on the entire slate. Um, it's I don't think we have the uh, over under yet. It's projected to be close. Uh, people aren't going to be on KC as much, even though Alex Smith has been doing crazy things. There are four different guys, uh, or three different guys, no, four different guys on the KC side of the game that you can really go with. And without Zeke in the lineup maybe this week, Des Bryant is 6,400 going against the 31st ranked DVOA against wide receiver ones is just an incredible price. Uh, it was going to revert back to how he was before Zeke got in there, which is a 1,400-yard guy that gets 16 touchdowns in a season. He has the most targets, I think, in the end zone in the entire league. He's 5th or 6th, I believe, in just total targets in the entire league. I don't think he's had lower than 6th sixth, sixth this entire season. And so far he's had the toughest wide re- or cornerback matchup out of any wide receiver outside of maybe Alshon Jeffrey. So this is a week where Dez is going to go off, and I absolutely love him this week.
2: I love that call. I'll also point out that the reason the Chiefs are quote-unquote good on defense, which they're really not, but the one thing they have going for them is their pass rush, which is completely mitigated by Dak's pocket presence and by the good Dallas offensive line.
3: Not only that, it's a lot of takeaway they get a lot of takeaways which Peters is a guy that gets a lot of them and Dak's a guy I think he's has what the second or third highest QB rating in NFL history he's not going to throw a lot of interceptions so
2: yeah and, and the thing with Peters is that you know people always talk about people always talk about oh this guy's going to avoid Peters x amount and like literally Peters is one of the guys I care about less than any cornerback in the NFL because The reason Peters has such a great reputation is he gets so many interceptions. And the reason he gets so many interceptions is because he's a gambler. He will attack the ball. And that's why Kansas City gives up so many yards uh, per reception. They only allow like a 53% completion rate to wide receivers. But when catches are made, they're usually big plays. And you basically have have a defense that runs man coverage over 60% of the time, which is just way more than any other team. And when they don't get pressure on the quarterback, that just leaves their corner one-on-one on an island, which Dez is good in contested catches. Dez is good after the catch. It just sets up so great for Dez this week. Um, and I like that game as a whole. Bobby, what game is standing out to you on the front end of the week?
1: Well, it's funny because the first thing that stood out to me is I have Dez. I'm making my mock line I have Dez on one of them, obviously. He was my favorite play just a quick glance. Um, and that's happened before in me, but at 6400 this is just sort of a perfect spot. you got to go there. I think it's going to be a very popular play. I don't care what it is, reason. you know, people are going to jump all over it at this price. Um, the game that stands out to me is, it's an obvious one, but I really do like the Tampa Bay-New Orleans game. I think there's going to be different ways to get access to it It's not going to be maybe the highest ownership. Obviously, I love Thomas and Breeze, but I also think you can on the other side with Winston, uh, a guy like Humphreys. I think you could actually play Willie Speed possibly this week, depending on what we hear going forward at thirty eight hundred. is a really there's a lot of things to really like about this game, and I think that it's a it's it's a spot where I could see it shooting out. Even though, like you said earlier, that I think the New Orleans defense is solid. I think that Tampa Bay's an offense when they need to, they can score in this type of environment. I don't, I, I like New Orleans defense, but still individually, their defense first position uh, in terms of fantasy numbers is still lacking, just because of the situation that they play in. And uh, I really like both sides of this game. There's pretty much nobody I've not uh, who's not on my radar who, uh, who plays for either of these teams.
2: Yeah, you guys highlighted my two favorite games, and really, those are I think by far the two best games on the week. So that's worth noting before I say this. But uh, if I'm going to some of these lower total games, I think Atlanta and Carolina stands out to me as one that we could end up with some sneaky fantasy goodness from this. Low total, it's something that a lot of people overlook when they talk about totals. I mean, for example, you know what game had the same total last week as Seattle and Houston uh, was Tampa and Carolina. So the, when Vegas pegs a total at 44 or 43.5 is where Atlanta and Carolina is, they're not saying that the game is going to score in a range of, of 42 to 46 points. They're basically saying that if we play this game a 1,000 times – half the time it would be over 44 or over 43 and a half half time would be below. That could be some 70 point games and some 20 point games. But the reason this total is low is because cam has been so inconsistent and because Atlanta's offense has not gotten on track. They have to put the total that low. Uh, These are definitely two offenses that if they were on track, this total would be around 49 or 50. So I think that it's definitely a game that could shoot out a game worth targeting in tournaments for that reason. Um, Which brings us to bold calls, and we really didn't say anything crazy this show. So who wants to set the tone for bold calls this week?
3: Dez Bryant will be the highest scoring wide receiver on the slate.
2: That is probably not that bold. Um, No, it's not. (laughs) Bobby, do we allow that or do we force Grant to go to something? I mean, Grant, if you take that, Bobby and I have to just take some chalk play as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, do you want to go mid-price wide, uh, running backs?
2: Uh, I'll I'll do that. I like that. Bobby, you up for mm-hmm. that?
3: Yeah, go ahead, grab. <laughs> I'll let you guys go because I have three of them. So I'll let you guys. Do
2: first
1: <laughs> I wanted to do. I've got a few of them as well. I'm trying to decide. Um,
2: Damn. I will go Darren McFadden, which I could come back to bite me if Alfred Morris gets all the touches. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Darren Mcfadden.
1: Bobby? Um, okay. I I'm going to say can I say Lamar Miller? Yeah, yeah. That's mid-priced.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah. All right, I have I'm trying to pick between Carlos Hyde and AP. Uh which one do you think's more ballsy? Yeah,
2: hey, uh, Peterson cuz he gets no catches.
3: AP, I like Hyde a lot. All right, fine. AP going against a team that gave up what? 50 points to Ezekiel Elliott is ranked 29th in DVOA 31st against Baltz caught by running backs out of the backfield so suck it AP's going off
2: alright I, I do get to change McFadden if Zeke is not suspended right yeah yes. who's your backup uh, I'll take um, I was going to take Lamar Miller as my backup I'll take Doug Martin as my backup
1: Martin's my other
2: one yeah. That was my three but- boom So I'll start with McFadden. I'll take Doug Martin. Guys, this was the – we might have lost all our listeners. This is our least crazy podcast of the entire season.
1: It's late, man. It's late on Monday. We've got the Dodgers in a tough World Series spot. I'm a little quieter than usual.
2: (laughs) It is late. Uh, I drove from Salt Lake City to Portland today, which is about 12 hours, and uh, you guys graciously stayed up late to record. So I appreciate that. Uh, We get a week with no uh, crazy takes, no arguments. Um, Grant, even your stories were somewhat tame. So there you go. Maybe you can leave us with some sort of wild advice uh, as we get out. But first, Bobby, anything to say before we get out of here?
1: No, it's nice to do the show with you guys. Uh, Always happy to make time because this is one of my favorite uh, favorite shows of the week. And even if it was a little bit more downplayed tonight, I'm sure we'll be back at it again next week. Uh, Me and Grant actually seem to agree on everything, first time in weeks so
2: <laughs> for a change uh Grant what can you give the people
3: um if you're giving a piggyback ride to a random drunk chick make sure that someone is behind you to spot you because they can fall <laughs>
2: uh without finding out if that's uh based on a true story or not I am JM Twin. he is Grant Nieper he is Bobby Firestone And we are the Absolutely Epic Early Week Podcast. We'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. We'll see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. See you, kids. See you, kids.
3: There we (laughs) go.